DJ and PK brought to you in part by Mark Miller Subaru. It's time now to talk college football with Dylan Colley, the former BYU wide receiver. He joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Dylan, good morning. How are we doing, gentlemen? Uh, all things considered, I think we're doing pretty well. But we're yeah. a little, uh, we're a little uh, discombobulated. This isn't the right month to have a major golf championship and the NBA playoffs. This is the month for college right. football. And yet... I've watched more golf than I have college football because you got some leagues haven't announced they're starting yet. Some have announced but haven't started. And even the SEC hasn't kicked off again. There hasn't been a single SEC game yet, right? And BYU played one game and now hasn't played for weeks, and nobody else in the state's playing yet, although that may be changing for a couple schools here pretty quick. So are you in college football mode, or are you as discombobulated as us? I think I think everyone is a bit uh, discombobulated, but just trying to take the uh, the positives as they come. So, you know, obviously there is a lot going on. Um, if I were to rank it in in order of priority, and you know, if you hit recall on my uh, my TV changer, right, it's going to be split between the the college football and then uh, the golf, and then third third the basketball. But you know. It is a bit overwhelming, but uh, I think for now we can kind of enjoy it, right? Keeps things going. <clears throat> it makes things interesting for, for uh, a weird year. So, Dylan, put yourself in the position of still being on BYU's football team, knowing that they gained a lot of experience over the last couple of years and so many of these kids were coming back, led by Zach Wilson, a third-year quarterback. Uh, you know, you talk about the positive. The positive is if they, got, they do have games – but the negative is that he didn't have that schedule, and that schedule would have been awesome. It really would have been a chance to prove yourselves against some real big-time competition with, I think, seven Power Fives, and then the non-conference you had Houston and or uh, San Diego State, Boise, Utah State, I mean. And those are all pretty good teams in the Mountain West or have been over the years, the last few years. You find yourself having a sense of disappointment knowing that BYU is projected to be pretty good this year to not be able to prove themselves against that quality competition? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's obviously extremely difficult, especially for those older guys, those upperclassmen that, you know, were kind of, to you know, I guess banking on this year, right? As as some true proving ground to see what am I going to be able to provide uh, agents, head coaches, and scouts for the next level, right? And so it's very difficult. Um, you know, let's say you do have guys, right, who are maybe toting the line of getting drafted or being a priority free agent. Is what they were about to do was you know, accelerate themselves into a position to, to make a lot of money and give themselves a much better shot in the NFL. Whereas now, right, yes, you're able to see it because it's still Division One football across the board, but, you know, understanding that, hey, there is a much weaker schedule um, and it's not going to be as, as effective, you know, maybe as, as what those, especially those seven power five games are. I mean, that, that schedule is probably going to be the best BYU schedule uh, and, you know, as long as I can remember, right? Like, yeah. the, between the stadiums that they were going to play at, the teams that they were going to play against, the situations, the back-to-back power fives, right? 
going back and forth, having to travel. I mean, talk about a test of really how good you are. Um, that that was going to be unbelievable. Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver, joined us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We have seen the Navy game, and it was, at least in my mind, shockingly easy for BYU. And the offensive line just blowing Navy out. How much of that is BYU's got a bunch of NFL guys on the line, and so that's what they're going to do, game in and game out? And how much of that was Navy wasn't hitting, and maybe they're down a little bit? How, yeah. What was your read on that game? Uh, I think I think about 50-50. Right. Uh, I had the chance to play with a majority of that offensive line, um, you know, and when it was a young offensive line two years ago. That offensive line is absolutely unbelievable, right? And, and Coach Mateos has done a phenomenal job, and then obviously you've got Coach Grimes, who is kind of the O-line connoisseur. Um, but I, I, you, can't, you can't shy away from the fact that if you truly were to go without hitting or without any contact, um, trying to play a Division One football game, right, is next to impossible. I think there are a lot of, you know, I think the the FCS schools, the D1AA schools, would have probably put it to Navy. Um, so to be able to take that game and say, hey, let's not, you know, kind of uh, let's not ride that game as who we are as a team, um, because it was awful. That was some of the most. That was some of the worst football. <laughs> Um, unfortunately, right, because Navy is such a respectable program, and uh, obviously they were looking to other priorities, which is fine and understandable. But, um, you know, for us to sit here and go, that, that game was a defining moment for BYU, uh, that would be embarrassing. Um, now, I do think that this week is going to be a much different story, uh, and we will see an opportunity for them to really, you know, kind of solidify themselves and show – how unbelievable they are against a kind of tested and tried uh, opponent. So you bring up the fact of Navy, uh, you know, with the no hitting, and that was the storyline. Uh, in your opinion, Dylan, how, going forward, you know, the Pac-12 and Mountain West looking like they're going to get back on the field here at some point. How much time would you think that you would need as a player to get yourself, let's say, practice started whenever tomorrow, and you yeah. have the first game whenever that might be? How much time do you think you would need to get yourself in playing shape, and how much live scrimmaging do you think needs to be done? I mean, I think I think you'd need two weeks. Uh, I think you'd need two weeks and at least a scrimmage, right, each of those weeks, much very similar to, to fall camp. Um, when I was playing at Hawaii, we played a game. We, we weren't able to start fall camp until the first week of August, but we're, we were playing in Australia um, the last week of August. And so between the basically the week of travel, right, we only had two weeks to get ready. Um, and, you know, physically, right, getting into the swing of things uh, and being ready to actually take a hit, and tackle, right? I mean, I'm not saying you need a month and a half, but I think you need at least two weeks to really be able to get back into mentally, right, getting ready to throw your body into other people and do it effectively. So we just saw in the NFL just a ton of ACL injuries here in week two. Uh, Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas, Marquise Blair, Cortland uh, Sutton, uh, Saquon Barkley. I mean, it's a whole list. How much of this is just freaky, and how much are these guys' bodies 
uh, rebelling because they didn't kind of ease into it with preseason games. Because when I hear you say two weeks, it makes me think, well, the, these LCLs, that was just kind of a fluky week in the NFL. Right, right. And I, I think there's a much, obviously, right, there is, there is the freak side of it. But you look at what were they doing because as much as we all want to think that the NFL is pristine and, right, it is the highest level of football, I mean, they're probably, you know, I would put a lot of the Division One college strength and head, strength head, uh, strength and conditioning coaches, right, ahead of what is actually available in the NFL. And so as these guys are spending more time with their strength and conditioning coaches, knowing that there is no preseason, how much are they doing and what sort of workouts are they doing during this time, right? While they're not playing games, they're probably loading it up a little bit more. They're probably doing, you know, uh, not as much, you know, they're probably saying, hey, let's save the body. Let's just lift a little bit. Let's not put too much stress on the lateral, everything like that. And so, yes, I do think that, you know, these guys aren't taking their – 15 to 20 plays in the preseason, but you also have to look at what was the training, you know, what was some of the processes that they went through, how much more, right, were they loading up until fall camp knowing there were no games to really physically get ready for, that they had an extra month to kind of hold off. So you look at guys like Saquon who, you know, I'm going to go with more of like a freak accident there or just because his legs are so dang big. Right, you're gonna you you're, you are a test of time there. Right, his body fat might be five or six percent, which is actually going to cause more strain. So if you don't have that full time, you know that one is a little bit more freakish. But all these other guys is just you have to look at what they're doing on the outside uh, and what their training regimens are and everything like that because they probably did change. I'm glad you brought up that uh, the the pro aspect of it as far as. For proving yourself, because I've been saying that, and I brought up two examples the last couple of years for Utah. At this time, going into training camp, uh, the last couple of years, uh, Barton, the linebacker, and Burgess, the defensive back, I don't think they were on NFL radar screens, but yet they had phenomenal senior seasons and got themselves to be second-day draft choices, and both of them are making money. It seems like, you know, with collegiate football and the student-athlete, we don't really want to talk about that because it seems like it's dirty. But the reality is that's what it's – for a lot of kids, that's the goal, right, is to get to the NFL, Mm -hmm. to prove yourself. So why not talk about it? Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) And I think if you're talking to a freshman that – is if you're talking to an incoming freshman and their goal isn't to play in the NFL on, you know, if a legit football player comes in as a scholarship athlete and their goal isn't to play in the NFL, I mean, uh, I don't want to call it a problem. Right. (laughs) But, but there are some red flags in knowing, okay, what am I going to get out of this athlete for the next four years? If his goals stop it, what he's just accomplished, right? Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, you look at a guy like Cody Barton. Right? I've I worked out with uh, with Cody at Performance One for a while, and you talk about a guy who is very like that dude walks around with a chip on his shoulder, right? He's all things football. 
Uh, he's got a couple screws loose, and I, that's what makes him a, a viable option as an NFL linebacker, right? Like, that's not a normal thing to be, uh, to be able to go out there every single day and knock head with, right, some of the most athletic and largest human beings uh, on the offensive side of the ball and then just go run around and throw your body into people. I mean, that, that takes a different breed. And so if someone comes in and says, hey, I don't even want to play in the NFL, then from a football aspect, right, you might need to be worried. Uh, but, you know, a lot of these guys come in and that's their focus and that's what you want to be and that's what you want to do. And so you're going to do everything. Every single day is going to be based on the big picture. How are you going to win football games? How are you going to win football games? And then how are you going to set yourself up to, to play in the NFL? Dylan Cauley joining us, former BYU wide receiver. Okay, so 2020 is an odd year, and we're seeing odd stuff, and we all expect it. But we also expect kind of a new normal going forward as we get out of this, whenever that is. And from a sports Mm -hmm. perspective, one thing that has PK and I scratch in our heads, but I'm leaning towards we're going to see some of this on a regular basis, not a lot of it. But guys opting out of a year of football because they know they're a high draft pick and they don't want to risk yep. the injury, even with insurance. Now, I get, you know, yep. hey, it's an eight or 10 game season this year and guys are doing it, but you're agreeing that guys are going to opt out of 12 game seasons in 2024? I, uh, yeah, unfortunately, right? <laughs> there's, there's nothing I hate more, but. Like it's it's now inevitable, especially as the things come out with right. You look at the the likeness, and you know the name the money that likeness, can come yeah. from yeah the name image likeness right. You look at the money that's going to be able to come from that. It's like by the time you're a junior, if you're a top prospect, if you're a Trevor Lawrence and you come in and you make enough money in the first three years, right? Yeah, opt out, still get your degree, and then go play in the NFL if that's the way, you know, some people want to do it. I like that concept, Dylan, of a few, a couple of screws loose when you used Cody, and I, he'll probably take that as a compliment mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, Absolutely. How much, how much of that, based on your experience, is necessary to be wired, as you say, to have a couple of screws loose in order to get yourself in the NFL? Uh, I mean, to, to play on the defensive side of the ball, right? I wouldn't. It's it's more like, you know, eighty to eighty-five percent, right? To have the right screws loose. Now, if we're yeah. just talking about being a little odd, right? Then, <laughs> then that doesn't help very much. But but when we're talking about having the right screws, it's like eighty to eighty-five percent of your capability of making it to the NFL on the defensive side of the ball, right? Especially in that middle-of-the-field front seven. When you look at a strong safety, you look at linebackers, you look at the interior linemen. Now, on the offensive side of the ball, right, uh, I don't think it's near as important. I think having an understanding of the game, right, but you don't need that kind of sideways thought process on, on offense. And if you look at real-deal football players these days, especially with the way – the attitude of social media and, and all of these things that are truly affecting, you know, uh, truly affecting kind of the whole, right. The whole picture of football, 
when you have a guy who is a ball of energy, who can fly around the field, who makes plays at all costs, right, who's going to go from sideline to sideline uh, in pursuit, and, and his entire goal, right, is to make someone feel them as they, as they tackle them, you know, there isn't uh, – I don't think that there's a trait more, you know, that can be more productive, that is more effective than than that on the defensive side of the ball. Do I think it's as, you know, needed on offense? No, but that's because we're much, much softer. <laughs> I really like that concept of having the right screws loose. It can't be any screw. You know, right. some screws are critical. <laughs> But the right Absolutely. screw needs to be loose. I, I like the way you painted that picture. Uh, so, Dylan, as a wide receiver, let's get to the one position on offense that's a little bit of a wild card, and that would be wide receiver. I mean, right now, probably Odell Beckham Jr. is who most people would say, oh, really talented, but really a disruptive diva. Just so disruptive. But he's not a one-off. Let's not put this all on Odell, right? Chad Johnson changes right. his name to Chad Ochocinco. Terrell Owens was doing crunches in the driveway at some pseudo-press conference. And Randy Moss is just like, I mean, I can't be bothered to go hard every play. Please, people. Absolutely. I'm me. And I'm probably leaving somebody out who'd be offended. But that's a nice list of diva wide receivers. What is it? about good wide receivers that makes them so difficult? <laughs> that, is a, that, that is a phenomenal question and a phenomenal concept. I still don't think that as a whole we share the same diva mindset as a defensive back. Um. Because the defensive back's mindset is even more of a problem, right? Just just so we can clear that air as I begin to talk about the wide receivers. As a wide receiver, and you look at those guys specifically, right? And even more so, the guys like Throne, the guys like Chad Johnson, the guys like Randy Moss. Odell Beckham, Odell Beckham is a freak, right? Odell is one of the most athletic, freakish human beings imaginable right you look at the fact that he's 5'11 the guy runs a 4'3 he wears a 3x glove size a normal receiver I've never met a receiver that wears a 3x I've met you know an XL right you've got guys who have freakishly large hands this dude absolutely swallows the ball right so his makeup is freakish and he's an extremely complete receiver these guys who are older, they play more of a chip on their shoulder because they didn't have all of those tangibles, right? They didn't have this, you know, they, they really worked a lot more than just, hey, I'm a freak, you know. Uh, they were also more, a lot more physical, right? And so I think when you look at, hey, if you can go up every single week against the Ed Reeds, against the Sean Taylors, um, against the Troy Polamalu, do I think Odell could go in and play against those guys? Absolutely not. No chance. <laughs> I, I don't think uh, you know those types of receivers today who are calling for attention would be able to last against the defenses of you know uh, 15 years ago. Um, but I think that just stems from this attitude that receivers do think that they are game changers, right? And there's some that are. 
but there are some divas that aren't, and they should probably keep their mouth shut and, you know, uh, kind of just be a part of the team and be a part of the game. But I just don't think that you're going to find that because of the history of the receiver and what it's meant to be a receiver, the big plays that are relied on for receivers. Uh, there's a lot of pressure and a lot of expectation. So when you achieve and you kind of complete that expectation, right, I mean, in the mind of receiver, you kind of deserve to be that way. He's Dylan Colley. He's got opinions on everything. Dylan, we loved having you on. Those are some solid. That that right screws loose is going to stay with me for a while. That was that was really good. I might I might just borrow it. I appreciate it. it. Hey, I'll tr- by, by all means. I'll I'll try to remember to give you credit, but you know, 50-50 on that. We'll see how that plays out. Definitely. All right. Hey Dylan, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. No worries.